Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise your name. You may be seated. This month we're starting a new series as we do every month. And this series is titled Jesus is Lord. We'll be looking closely at the claim that Jesus is the true God. You know, after hearing teachings and seeing miracles he performed, many in Scripture came to express their faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. They watched him cast out devils. The disciples was there when he calmed the storms. He delivered a demonic in Gerdera, and he set a woman free from a 12-year-long disease. They watched him, and as they watched him do these with their own eyes, they became... They expressed their faith in him, and they, they, became, they became Christians, or they became what we're going to talk about in a few minutes. They became sons and daughters of God. The series is not only to remind us the power that God had in the Bible. You know, sometimes we, we, we look at things, and we read the Bible, and we read the Scriptures, and we see where he healed the sick, where he delivered the, the, the one that was bound. But we, sometimes we get in our minds that that was just... That just happened in Bible times. We see the great things he did. We see what we talk about the, the parting of the Red Sea. And we see what he did in these stories of the Bible. And sometimes it's so easy because we don't see these miraculous things in our, with our own eyes. Sometimes we find ourselves, find ourselves just saying, well, that's just in Scripture. But here today is, is we're to, this, this, this month and this, these series of lessons will challenge us to have faith that that power still is available for us today. That same thing that happened in the in the in the the in the Bible stories, the same thing, the stories we read, that is still that still that same power is here today. Truly, Jesus is Lord of all, and it does not change because it's 2022. It is He is just as powerful He is today as He was the day that the opening of the blinded eyes in the Bible. Today, as Brother Toby's already said, we're going to talk about a house divided. From the beginning, God has established the family, the unit of family. From the very beginning, when he made Adam and Eve, he designed the family unit. And he is built on that very design from that very point in time. Can I say, though, throughout the Old Testament and even through our day, much, of, much family... As much as family has been a part of the biblical design, mankind has got away from that original blueprint of what a family should be. You know, from not very far into this book, we find Adam and Eve. He created them. He created the family unit. But not very far, very many pages. You don't have to turn very many pages into the Bible. We find where mankind started getting away from that. That, that original blueprint that God, that God designed for family. And throughout the history, we, we, today, we look at it today and, 
And that is where the major attack the enemy has is on the family. The family unit. He wants to break that up. He wants, that's why divorce, more people is divorced than get married. It's because they, he wants to destroy the family. That's why he is bound, he's, been, he's been determined in the last few years to, to, to diminish the, the, the importance of being a father. Of taking the father out of the home. Or take, maybe not taking him literally out of the home, but taking him his, his, his authority out of the home. And so the, so the enemy is just trying to destroy the family. But Jesus is wanting to recast what family looks like. He's wanting to change it. He wants to put it back to where it belongs. And today I want to talk about that today. In Mark 3 and 23, I'm going to read a few scriptures if you want to turn with me today. The Bible says in Mark 3 and 23, it says, And he called unto him... And said unto them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. Verse 25 says, And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Skip down to verse 35. And the Bible says, For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. Today, what God, what the scriptures here saying, Mark is saying is in this last verse thirty-five. He says, "If we do the will of God, if we're obedient to the will of God, and I don't want to get ahead of myself today, but if we're doing obedient to what the will of God is, that same as my brother, my my sister, or my fam- or my mother. We're talking about he's that your your family, and that's how we become part of the family. We look in Genesis, as I already said, we find, you know, in the very in, in the book of Genesis, we find where how the, the unit of family has been attacked already in the book of Genesis. But we look in the lineage of Jesus. You know, we, look at, we think about the lineage of Jesus. We think about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We look at their lives, and we look at, you know, that's where Jesus, his lineage came from. And that is his, his biological family, or that's kind of where, you know, where he, God decided to take his family from. But we look into the, this, this, the lives of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and we look at their lives, and we, we turn in Genesis, in the, in the, starting around the 25th chapter of Genesis, and we look at that, and we, we find not very far into the, to Abraham's life, and, we find, and through Isaac and Jacob's life. I want to talk about Jacob just a few minutes for just a little bit here, but, but, it was, but we look at back at even Abraham and Sarah. We find where the things that destroy the family already becomes. We find where there's, there's, there's people, the parents having favorites, a favorite child. We find where children, you know, they, they start in deception between siblings. We find deception between husbands and wives. We find where, where they deceive each other, the children, and, and we find these, these things happen, and we find where jealousy takes over inside the family. And so we find that, you know, we find that in Bible times. We also find that today. But I just want to talk about Jacob. You know, we look at Jacob's life, and we know Jacob is, we're talking about the family unit today. Jacob, you know, we find him very long, and he, he, he decides, you know, here he is, a second-born son, second-born of the twins. And, and Jacob, you know, he, we, we move to the point of Jacob tricks Esau into selling his birthright. You know, because he has that jealousy. He wants to be the, have the birthright. And, he's, and Jacob wants to be that. You know, he is a, his, his name even means 
He's a deceiver. And so we find him. We find Jacob tricking Esau to sell him his birthright. Then Jacob deceives his own father and his, with the help of his mother. We find him deceiving his father. Then we find, you know, we look at the story of Jacob. And I know I'm just kind of paraphrasing through the story of Jacob. But we find Jacob meeting Rachel. And then we find the story of the, then Jacob meets and interacts with his uncle Laban. And when we find this story when, in, the, in the conversation, and I don't want to get too far into this because I don't want to get bogged down here too much, but I feel like, you know, here Jacob, when he starts interacting with his uncle Laban and he starts talking about introducing himself to Laban and, and introducing, talking about some of the things in his life and, and Laban says in Scripture, he says, he is bone of my, you, obviously you are bone of my bone because he recognized that deceiver in Jacob. What he's saying is, is I see that trait I see that trait, the same trait, so I know your family. And so sometimes in life, you know, we find ourselves, you know, and we talk about that. The foundation of God's family, you know, we find where Laban then tricks Jacob into working for him for Rachel and, and, and marrying him and marrying Rachel and Leah. You know, we find where Laban now deceives Jacob and the deceiver gets deceived. You know, we know the scripture, the scripture is this, is, and all this is in the, the lineage of Jesus. We have just heard, talked about a snapshot of the story of Jacob, Rachel, and Laban. And that is near the roots of God's human family of Israel. Members of the family, we share certain traits. You know, we share the same traits. Some of us, these traits are transmitted physically. We have the same hair color. Maybe the same shape of the nose. A lot of people say, my granddaughter looks like me. I think that's just because she's got chubby cheeks and, and she likes to eat and she probably feels all that kind of thing. So I think that's kind of where. But anyway, but like I say, I just want to, but we have, we transmit them physical traits and there is truth to that. There's so many things in that we transmit. There's, there, I've, seen, I've seen sons look just like their fathers when they get older. And it's sometimes when we get older, we start looking more like our father. In, th- in times in life, we have that same hair color, that same same things that we, we pass by physically. Then some traits are learned. Our physical traits often betray our family as family's identity. Maybe the shape that where our, our bodies are made, or the, or the, the color, like I said, the color of our eyes, or the color of our hair, or, or different body f- shapes and things. We we find that becoming physically. But the learned traits can be equally telling. Some things, you know, we find, we, you know, we say well, that was inherited from their father. And we say like talking about sometimes like how we, or anger or, or something like that, maybe that's inherited from the, from the father or that's inherited from the mother. But some of the tra- these traits are learned because they watch how their father and their mother react. Honesty and dishonesty can easily identify us with our family. Sometimes I've seen people. I've said, you know, they, I mean, I've saw people that there was, that, that, not wanna, that, that was kind of, that was hard for them to find the truth. <laughs> and you see that happening generation after generation. You say, well, they're like their old, their grandpa. I've seen, seen some people, you know, they're like their grandpa. They can't, they can't tell the truth <laughs> if they, they knew the truth. And so sometimes in life, you know, we find that dishonesty and honesty. 
We've ever heard the old saying, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And that saying has got a lot of truth to it. You see that, you know, it may not be something that's inherited in their, you know, in their, in their DNA. But they watch that. They learn that. You know, as parents and grandparents and here today, we sit here today, and we've, we've watched children pick up traits of do things like their parents. You hear words come out of children's mouth. And you say, well, where did that come from? Or see attitude come from them. And as we get older, we start seeing our parents in them, in, in us. Sometimes when we react to some things, we say, like, how did... See my, and I've heard someone say this one time, said uh, my mouth came open and my mother flew out or something like that. And sometimes that is because that is ingrained in us from our parents. God's family members share his traits. Scripture frequently sums up God's traits. He is holy. He is faithful. He is merciful. He is truthful. And this could go on and on. Likewise, God's children are holy, faithful, merciful, and truthful. And this list could go on too. We're, whatever, if, we're, if we're a child of God, we're going to reflect what God is. Just like I was talking about our parents fly out when we, our mouth opens, God should fly out when our mouth opens. If we're a child of God, we should be a reflection of God. Jesus once said that children of God would be recognized and identified by the way they were peace, make, the, the way they made peace. That is said in Matthew 5 and 9. It says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. We, we have to have, we have to be resemble God. The sons of God, Paul wrote, are distinguished by the fact that they are led by the Spirit. Just as a young boy begins to manifest his father's traits in time. You know, here I grew up, I grew up following my father to the logging woods. I learned the occupation. I learned to run the equipment by watching my father. I did what he did. And so sometimes, just like Brother Daryl, he fathered his father into the building business. And now he builds building homes on his own because he learned how to do it by watching his father. And so we, he didn't learn that the first day. The first day when he... As he's a child following his father's footsteps, he didn't learn how to, to frame a house. But after time, he may have learned how, to, how to, to do this or do that point of the house. And after a while, he learned how to do it all by himself. When he was, when he was a teenager, Brother Kenny probably wouldn't have let him say, hey, go, go frame that house. Maybe a young teenager. Maybe, maybe when he was 16 or 17, he may have been framing houses by himself, but... But sometimes, you know, but when he was younger, when he first started out, Brother Kenny wouldn't have felt comfortable to let hey, just go and go frame that house. But today, Brother Kenny probably don't have to be there when he says he frames the house. He does it all by himself because he learned that from his father. And so sometimes just like we learn a trait or we learn our actions of our father, that is a process of maturing. And we, as a, as a Christian, sometimes when we're born again, sometimes we want a, we want a Christian, we want a child of God when they come in to the altar of repentance and they're baptized in Jesus' name. We want them to look like everybody else, or we want to look like that when we come to do that. But that is a process. We have to learn to be what we are. We learn through everyday walking. 
And every day we get up, we have to learn something else. And today it doesn't matter how old or how long we've been as a Christian. No matter how, 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 how far we're down the road, every day we're still maturing. We're still being closer to what God is. To be a child of God, we always must be learning. We always must be putting one foot in front of the other. It is a process of, of becoming a child of God. Although God's family was founded on, on Jacob as the forefather, we are allowed to be a part of his family as we obey God by obedience. In our day, we are, we, we are not excluded because we cannot trace our DNA back to Jacob. We may not be able to, to trace our DNA back to one of the tribes of Israel. But we are not excluded. We are, we're included through obedience. We might even say that obedience is our DNA of the kingdom of God. The mechanism by which we grow to resemble God is through obedience. Every day when we get up, is how, how do we become childs of God? As we obey this scripture. Every day when we get up, we must obey what God has laid in our heart. We must obey God and do what he does. And that's how we grow to resemble God. In Genesis 3, the serpent promised Eve divinity by disobedience. His promise to her was not, it was through disobedience. And that's where the fall came from. Is, is truly from disobedience. But Jesus Christ, however, was exalted to lordship through ob- obedience. Philippians 2 and 9 says, Wherefore God has also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. We too are elevated by obedience. We're elevated to be children of God by obedience. Mark's gospel frequently nests stories of Jesus within, within other stories. And Mark 3 provides one of gospel's early examples of this technique. In verse 20, we see that Jesus was inside a house teaching his followers while his mother and brother were outside, worried that their family's eldest son had lost his mind. He was out Here we see this story. We find Jesus inside this house or this home teaching. Teaching something they had never heard before. And here they are on the outside. His family, his earthly family, saying, hey, this, I think he's lost his mind. I think he's fell off this rocker. Verse 21 says they literally complained that he was beside himself, which today is the claim that he has lost reasoning or he has lost his common sense. Here they thought he, is, they thought he or he was preaching something that they had never heard. Instead of going with this, they said he had lost his mind. Something's wrong with him. We have what appears to be a division in the earthly household of the Messiah. What we find here is, is here his family wasn't agreeing with what or didn't, didn't understand and didn't agree with what he was saying on the inside of the house. But the truth is Jesus was in the house and thought he was, they thought he was on outside of his mind. But truthfully, the earthly household was physically outside and they were outsiders to Jesus' divine mission. They were outsiders. They didn't understand because they were on the outside of what he was doing. They weren't just on the outside of the house. They just didn't, they didn't understand where he was coming from. You know, we know now, we know looking back as Jesus was here to do in his father's business. He was here to do one thing, and that is to die on a cross for our sins. 
But he, they didn't understand that. This was, this was their son. This was the carpenter's son. Why he, Here he is, and they're doing something that we hadn't taught him. And so sometimes, you know, when we, when we have that, you know, we find Jesus doing his divine mission. Sometimes when we find ourselves thinking this Bible don't align with what we feel or what we've been taught or what we feel like, you know, we may be the one that's on the outside. When we say, well, this, this, this word of God or when the man's preaching up here, he's preaching a word to me. If it ain't, if it ain't reflecting on my life, I may be the one that's in the wrong. And so here, we might, I may not be looking at the right mission or looking through the, through the right goggles, through, through the right lenses. And so sometimes in life, you know, we made a, when, we, when things don't line up with our life, we need to look back and say, instead of, instead of throwing stones at it, if it don't, our life don't line up with this word of God, we need to pray for the lenses of God to say, hey, I want to be on your mission. I want to be in your will. I want to be doing what you're doing for my life. And so that is what, here's his earthly family. They were looking at it through what they could see, not through what Jesus could see. Following Mark's pattern of storytelling, the second story about division within a household. The scribes accused Jesus of casting out devils by the power of Satan. Jesus responded by saying, a house divided against itself cannot stand. If Satan was casting out his own wicked allies, his household had already had fallen. That's what Jesus was saying. He says, if you're saying I'm casting out demons in Satan, power of Satan, that the house cannot stand on its own, so that means Satan is already defeated. Jesus replied, reply exposed the trouble with their accusations. Their, their, their accusations. If Satan was giving Jesus the power to bind devils, Satan's kingdom was already being destroyed from within, and Jesus was the agent of that destruction. But if Jesus was not using satanic powers to cast out devils, then Jesus must have been using, must have been binding devils by the power of a higher, something higher than Satan, whose kingdom was being destroyed from without. And Jesus was casting out demons by that higher power. You know, we know what that higher power was. That was the Holy Ghost. And if the Holy Ghost was casting out demons, the rulers of the house of the demons had already been tied up and his house had been plundered. Today, I'm telling you here today, just in this day of the story, when God passes out things or he casts out demons or he casts out sickness or whatever he casts out, God has already got Satan tied. He's already got his house plundered. He's already in complete control. God is, God is in complete control. Fallen humanity is in constant war with God. You know, so when we're, we're falling humanity, and that's what we are until we're born again. We're going to be in constant war with God. We're going, to be, we're going to be on one side or the other. There's no in-between in life. There's no in-between. There's not this side or middle, middle ground or on the other side. You're going to be on one side or the other. And so if, if we're not completely sold out to God, we're, going to be, we're fighting against God. And so in life, we're completely in war with God. When the scribes saw the evidence of the Spirit working, they knew and willingly sought to kill it. They wanted to stop what was going on because it was against what they preached. It's against what they wanted. They was losing their, losing their crowd. Here the scribes was, they were the ones that was popular. 
they was the religious one. But when Jesus stepped into their arena and took over, they wanted to stop him at all costs. It ended up they wanted to push God off the edge of the world and he made him, he, he, that he made and onto a cross. And we know that's where they carried him. That's why they carried him to the cross. It's because he was taking over. But Jesus had already dealt with that. He already asked what he came here for. Jesus has previously encountered the strong man before. You know, as we look at, we see the readers of Mark's gospel, we are invited to remember that Jesus already had encountered the devil before this time. After Jesus defeated the devil in the wilderness, his first words were in Mark 1 and 5, 1 and 15 says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Here, you know, we know Jesus defeated the devil on the, in the wilderness when he was tempting him the three times. Jesus' victory over Satan in the wilderness was a complete reversal of Adam and Eve's fatal act of disobedience. When God said, it completely, he went back to the word every time, he says, and the word says. And everything that devil could throw at him, he says, and the word said. And he used God, the word of God against the enemy. And so when he, he, but what he was doing is he was obeying obedience. And he was a complete reversal of what Adam and Eve had done with the disobedience. Throughout the, this temptation period, Jesus defined whosoever does the will of God is a member of God's family. What he was connecting that is, is through obedience is how we become part of God's family. Interestingly, and I don't think it's coincidental that Jesus did not call any disciples before his wilderness temptation. He didn't call any of them before the wilderness temptation of the beginning of his ministry, but he called Peter, James, John, and Andrew immediately after he came out of the wilderness. Immediately after he came out of this, the basis of the, his holy family is obedience. And his first, his obedience to God, to follow God, and then his disciples' obedience to follow him. He had to set that precedence of obedience before he called his disciples. Before he called the ones that he was going to leave this gospel to, he had to set the precedence of obedience in his life. We too can embrace our calling as sons and daughters of God, following him and being free from whatever would bind us is through obedience. Mark 3 and 13 chronicles the 12 disciples that Jesus appointed to preach the gospel. And when God began his mission of redemption, he appointed 12 men of the family of Abraham and gave them their descendants a law to obey. Likewise, he appointed 12 men to accompany him and preach the gospel. Jesus made a clear statement that he was... He was establishing a family, and whose God, whose father, whose father is God, and the redemption of the world. He was he was creating a family. That's what he was doing with the disciples, and he was doing what I was talking about earlier. He was breaking off pieces of himself, and he was teaching them. The three and a half years of his ministry, he was preparing his disciples for what they were going to have to face, and he was doing that by leading by example. And so sometimes, you know, as a family, he was making that family. Just as a father watches his son, or a son watches his father into to whatever he does and learns from his father, or, or a, a daughter learns from her mother. Through that, his disciples was learning how to deal with each situation. 
The twelve disciples then stood with Jesus while the leaders of Judah accused him of heinous, heinous crimes and the devils confronted him and Jesus, even Jesus' earthly family verbally abused him. Here we see where disciples, his, fam, his new family, his, his disciples, his sons of God, came up beside him and they watched him as he was, he was accused of things, as he was being even talked about verbally and different things in his life. When he, everything was coming against him, they watched him. And so they watched him and they learned through that his obedience. They, they even attempted to apprehend him because they viewed him as besides his, himself or, or out, of the, out of his mind. They tried to change his life and change his mind. Even his family tried to, his, his earthly family tried to change his direction. But Jesus was focused on his mission. Jesus and his new family appeared to be greatly outnumbered, but Jesus did not seem to mind. He found himself. Just as Brother Toby said earlier, I just want to share on something on that. What Brother Toby he said earlier about the, the family unit. We as a family, as parents, where our family becomes divided is in the home. I feel like in our gospel, when we feel like sometimes in our life when we're divided on where, which direction we're going. Are we doing things for God or are we are putting other things more important than to God? And sometimes in life, you know, that's where the, the, the house gets divided. And sometimes it's our children when they're watching, watching us as we grow. Are we leading them toward God or are we leading them to putting other things more important in their life? And I think as parents, we have that. That, that, that choice or decision in our life, what, which way are we going to lead them? Because we're going to lead them some direction. We're going to, we're going to direct their path. We're going to direct them. And, and are we, is our house divided? Are we, are we, are we living for God? For me and my house, are we, we're going to live for God or, or, or are we going to live for the world? Or are we going to go down this road or that road? What is most important in our life is going to be important in our children's life. Following Jesus has often called, caused us to join one, one other view as being beside ourselves. Sometimes when we, when, we, when we follow God in life, sometimes we're going to be labeled like he was out of his mind. Why are you doing this? Why do you dress like this? Why do you, why do, you do this or that? Why do why, why you live a separate life? Why are you separate from the world? Why, why do you want to be different? Are you just doing it for an attention? I've heard people say all kinds of things. Are you doing, just doing it for attention? Are you doing it for just for this or that in your life? But when God leads us, we're going to be different. We, we're called to be a different people. And so in life, you know, sometimes we're going to be looked at different. Following Jesus and being, and being a part of his family does not always make sense to the others watching us. They say, why do you do that? Do this, that. Why do you go to church every Sunday? You know, the fish are biting in, in the river. They, they're, you know, they're, it's just the moon's just right today and we can go fishing and catch these fish. Why, why would you just you know, give up that fishing trip or... Why, why, why would you take your vacation to go to a conference? Or why would you do this or that? Why would you do that? It don't make sense to other people. Because they're not, 
focused in the right direction. To join him in his house is to go outside and to leave behind the safety of the social, of social uh, acceptance in our life. Sometimes when we, when we join his family, join his house, but that is often what God has called us to do, is to be a separate people. He does not call us to understand it or even to agree with it. He just calls us to follow him. Sometimes we don't, we don't understand. There are things in my life I don't understand why God directed me this way. Yeah, it would be a lot easier to go this, you know, the easy route. Why is God carrying me around this way to get here? And that is because we don't have, we're, not, we're not called to understand. We're just called to follow. Jesus' family members shares in his trait. And I said again, as a, as a biological, sorry, biological family, share certain unique and fundamental characteristics. These fundamental characteristics are generated by shared genes. Like a man's telltale head or his jawline or his voice often shows up in his son. Yet other traits, I said, as I said earlier, are learned like a father's mannerisms, his way of, way of conveying um, irritations or clearing his throat or even sometimes swaying of his shoulders when he walks. Sometimes I've seen, I've seen people, that their sons or their grandsons, walk or stand just like their father or their grandfather. And so when we look at that, you know, we see them in a picture or we see them walking down the sidewalk. And I've seen people see some of their grandsons following their grandfather and walking and they have their hand in their pocket or they'll be walking just like their grandfather. And and that's not something they inherited from their DNA. They inherited that because they watched their grandfather. They want to be like them. During the son's formative years, he, he unconsciously watches the things of his father and mirrors them until they become his own characteristics. But these two are family traits and signs of a father's, father's inheritance of, to their sons. The fundamental similarities between Jesus and the father was so striking that Jesus' words were only those words his father had spoken. His actions were only those of his father. When, we, when you saw Jesus... You have seen the Father. This is why Jesus could respond to Philip in John 14 and 9. He says, who, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Because Jesus' actions, everything, were like his Father. Jesus is the expressed, expressed image of the Father. Jesus taught that he came down from heaven not for my own will, but for but the will of him that sent me. God's son bared the family traits that this is true of all God's sons and daughters. We bear God's traits. If we're sons and daughters, we're going to bear, bury what he has in our life. While we are all not the incarnation of God Almighty like Jesus was, we are called to be his sons and daughters as we are born again into his family. The gift was not reserved for just those in the, in the Bible alone. We also may be members of God's family. Jesus taught the obedience to the, to the will of God to the basis of part of being God's family. He called, he called the obedience to be simultaneous with the new birth 
beginning with the call to, to repentance and water baptism in the name of Jesus. The Spirit of God completes this birthing process whereby we emerge from the world as an infant emerges from the womb and our first cries announces our new life. After this new birth, the new child of God is, more, is no more finished growing until to the characteristics of a heavenly father than the newborn baby is until he's raised by his mother and father. You know, just, just like when we're newborn, as I, know, I know I got ahead of myself a little bit ago, but I just want to re- reiterate this. Is, you know, just, as soon, just as a child being born, a baby being born, he don't have all the characteristics of his parents yet. He may have what he got biological but he's going to learn traits or other traits in his life. We're going to see them develop as they grow. And, and that's how we as, as, as new babes of Christ, we're going to grow as we, we mature. And, the, and the, in time, the new, newly born again son or sons of God will be conformed to the image of God, the true son, Jesus Christ. And in life, you know, we find ourselves today, our goal, goal should be to look like and to act like Jesus. Just as sons and daughters, we want to look like our father. We want to act like our father. We want to be, you know, do things like we should. You know, we think we do like they, as a, as a daughter, sometimes they want to cook like their mom. They want to bake like their mom. And they learn that because they want to be like that. You know, it's, it's, it's so sometimes in our life, you know, you know, we do some things by just watching them and not really understanding that we're actually taking on that trait. But there's sometimes in life, there's some things that we want. We want to have, we want to be a good builder. We want to know how to frame a house. And we, so, so Brother Darrell watched his dad probably really you know, intensely how he done everything. And so sometimes in life as Christians, we need to be just that focused. If we want to be like Christ, we got we to gotta put effort to be like Christ. We can't just live happenstance and just it's not just going to happen. So there's some things in life, you know, we, we inherit by DNA. Sometimes some things we, we inherit by just being around someone and all of them are good. But there's some things in life, in our Christian life, we're going to have to work for. And as, today as I begin to close today, I ask us today, do you want to be a child of God? So today we need to put forth a little effort. We gotta, we gotta watch what we want to be, and we gotta see what we want to be, and we gotta put effort to be that today. As we stand across here today, I ask us today to make an altar where we stand today, and let's pray that God will, God will direct us in the direction that He wants us to be, that He wants us to go in our life. Let us pray, Lord. I ask you to touch us and anoint us. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.